step I'm taking Every move I make feels lost with no direction My faith is shaken But I, I gotta keep trying Gotta keep my head held high There's always gonna be another mountain I'm always gonna wanna make it move Always gonna be an uphill battle Sometimes I'm gonna have to lose It ain't about how fast I get there. This is Channel 2 Radio The Mindset Matters Show With Sinat Noorani How are we today? And welcome to the Mindset Matters talk show. Sorry, I'm just putting up the volume a little bit because it wasn't sounding quite right. I'm your host and I'm also your mental health and well-being coach and therapist. You can find me here every Friday, same time, same place, talking about all subjects that matter and impact mental health and well-being. You know, Fridays is my favourite day of the week. I mean, I absolutely love driving down to Ashford from Bromley to be here with all of you listening in, you know, and just really talking about what I am so passionate about. And it's about bringing awareness, breaking down stigmas and barriers around mental health and well-being. But more importantly, it's about sending out the message that you're not alone And that, you know, we all go through challenging times in our lives. And it's absolutely okay to take time and not be okay for a moment. Take that breather and relax. Now, if you don't know me and it's your first time listening in, um, as I said, I'm so passionate about mental health and well-being. And what I do is I help professionals, but not, not just professionals, but that's kind of my target audience. But I help my clients empower themselves to find and gain clarity around their mindset, resilience, but fundamentally starting from the self-belief, uh, working on themselves so that they know who they really are, their, their worth, their value, and how they think, because all of that impacts the way you behave and it impacts the goals that you want to reach in life. So I empower them and I give them the tools and strategies that they can also take away and use day to day or whenever they feel that they might just need that tool. Now, if you want to find out more about me, pop over to my website. That's www. I don't know if I said too many W's there. Um, I always get stuck on that one. It's, yeah, com. And if you want to get started ASAP, then book a call with me and let's get talking at calendly.com forward slash Narani. Okay, okie dokie. So as always, I would love you to tweet in comments, shout outs, anything that you have to say or for someone. And obviously, we've got my amazing guest who I'm going to introduce any second. So make sure you use the hashtag MSM Radio Talks and do continue, follow and share. Right. I'd like to welcome today my wonderful guest who... um, Well, she helps businesses, uh, wellness professionals to save money, make money so that they can concentrate on healing, supporting and helping more clients. So welcome, Glynis, Glynis Wisby. Thank you very much. It's lovely to have you in the studio. 
It's lovely to meet you face to face. I know. I think the last time we spoke must have been about maybe three months ago at least. Yes, yes, yes. You were just a square on my table, which was lovely. <laughs> but it's nice to see you have legs. <laughs> nice to have Yeah, I have legs. <laughs> Though I had to get my boots out today. Yes, well, it is wet out there. Oh, my God. Wasn't it a horrendous drive down? Awful, awful. Um, I, didn't, I, I honestly thought I was going to be here late in the studio because I couldn't even see past my bonnet. It was falling that much. Crumbs. <laughs> anyway, Glynis, why don't you tell us, our audience, a little bit about yourself, self-introducing, and then we're going to go into more detail after the break, a little bit more about children hospice and uh, your daughter. Indeed. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, my name's Glynis Wisby. I live um, in the beautiful part of Ashford in Kent with my husband, Matt, um, and two children. And we've lived there probably for about eight, nine years. And what I do is I love helping people. People just come to me for help anyway. I think I'm one of those people that everyone goes, oh, Glynis will know somebody. Mm. They, think everybody they think I know everybody and everybody knows me, which is, which is fabulous. Um, and what I, one of my businesses is actually helping people save money. Um, and empowering them to to actually look at what they're doing and make sure that they're balancing the books. I mean, so many people during lockdown discovered mm. that uh, they had less money coming in than they were used to. Yeah. And so it was lovely to talk to them to actually just see if we could tweak anything so they had less money going out or just show them a way to make more money coming in. Yeah. And how did that... You know, did you find that it was impacting them in a really positive way? You could see the shift in... The relief that they were having, you know, just by... Yes, yes. I mean, most people, if I'm honest, most people, the first time we, we talked, they actually just wanted to talk about how um, lockdown was impacting them wow. and things okay. like that. Um, and it was probably a conversation over a couple of months with most people. Mm. But actually, when they could see that they had more money coming in and more or more money to play with, it just mm. made such a difference. Um, and it just... It's, it's good to be able to help people without having to change too much. Um, mm. What we provide, everybody's got. Every, it's all their boring old bills that we help sort out. Um, <laughs> it's just the things that most people... I mean, what I found initially was most people weren't opening their bills. Oh, they were just I'm one of them. Too stressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I met a lot of people. I just said, look, it's going to be scary. Let's just open up that bill and see what it actually says. Let's just make sure you're on a good tariff. Let's just make sure yeah. whether you're in credit or whether you're in debt, just so you know where you mm. are um and so yes people were a little bit resistant to that but when you ultimately um show them that they could save money or that they could switch to a tariff that's going to make a difference um or they could get more data they're just actually really appreciative um and i, I had a lovely message um from one of my mm -hmm. customers up in huddlesfield because i've been able to help people all over the country as well whereas previously yeah. i could only go and see them face to face and he just messaged me he said we love what you're doing can we do it again and i'm just like well, yes, of course. Yeah. Let's just do it. He said, "I've got another house. Let's let's sort that one Amazing. out." Amazing. Yeah. So it, it is it is brilliant when you actually see the difference it makes. Um, and we've actually I've been helping new people set up their business sort of as part of my team as mm. well. And it's been good for them when they've actually got their first commission statement to actually go, "Wow, I've got it. I've got yeah. that for helping people." So I love. That's what I love doing. But I I'm a I'm a networker. I love networking mm. and connecting people. So there's lots of other things that and people that I've met that I'm able to help people with Absolutely. Um, you're very very vibrant and approachable you're just amazing uh, you know just speaking to you a couple of times and 
here when you, you came, it's just you've got that energy about you that will draw people towards you and then want to share with you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I think Zooming with people, it's quite difficult um, or it's been quite difficult in the past year to actually connect with people as easily mm. over Zoom. Absolutely. Um, and so one to one networking has been quite good that way. But um, yeah, generally, most people will know now that they've met me. Mm. Um, once they've met me face to face, they tend to remember me, um, if, even if I'm even if I'm not wearing bright yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Which apparently you were told not to from a, uh, a stylist, wasn't it? Yes, yes. My lovely friend Katie suggested <laughs> I didn't wear yellow, but I just love this dress, so I had to. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's got lovely flowers on it. It's very colourful. Yeah, yes, thank you. And you've got a gorgeous handbag to go with it as well. Uh, yes, which was Katie's. Oh, there you go. <laughs> It's definitely worth it. Um, but yes, I mean, what I do, what I love doing is help helping people. And over the last 18 and a half years, and probably be before that as well, so many people have helped me. Mm. Um, and what I'm doing is setting up a website called The Helpful Hub, okay. which is full of all the different therapists um, and advisors that have helped me over the last 18 years um, and charities and things like that. Uh, just because I needed to do a brain dump. I mean, I've loved lockdown. I know not many people would say that, but I mm. felt um, for me it was a wonderful opportunity to work out who I was and what I needed to do um, and to connect with my family. We've had some amazing times mm. over the last year. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was rough as well. Yeah. But for me it was a wonderful opportunity to actually finally get my vegetable patch going. Um <laughs> but also to connect with more people. But I just realised so many people rang me for help mm. on such m random topics. I realised I needed to do a brain dump yeah. um, and actually put all the knowledge and all the contacts I've got somewhere where I could actually um, signpost people mm -hmm. to the help that they'd have got if they rang me. Because they rang me and we help I helped so many people. Yeah. But there's a limit to how many people I can help in a day because it's based on how many phone calls I can accept. Absolutely. Um, or emails I can read. Um, and you'll know I'm not brilliant with emails. <laughs> We're not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just felt a brain dump, um, a website where people like yourself can actually share what they do and how you've helped me mm. um, would actually enable other people to go and find what's in my head without actually having to meet me and, and catch me on the phone. Yeah. Um, and so the Helpful Hub, it's got therapists, people that have helped me fill in forms. It's got uh, nutritionists, uh, trainers, exercises you can do um, when you're caring for somebody. Amazing, and all yeah. sorts of amazing charities that have helped over the last 18 years. So Great. it's, it's a, a lovely little hub of knowledge. And I think that's something that we do need more of just to make it easy access. I mean, yes, there's a lot out there with NHS but sometimes there's that waiting list or getting in touch or with the right person that you want to but having it all in one place yeah with a range of practitioners it's it makes life a lot easier especially if you're going through something you just you just want to be able to kind of like that's what I need it's here I found it and and particularly when you're in a family in crisis so our family's been in crisis for quite a while mm. but when you're a family in crisis a, you don't know what you need to know. And if you don't know what you don't know, how do you know where to find it or who to speak to? Yeah. And then when you've sort of worked out what you need, it's normally the middle of the night. Mm. It's not office hours. And you find yourself on the internet. And if, if everybody knows they can actually go to the Helpful Hub and find themselves some information there, 
that will at least signpost them in the right direction. So people that can help with your mindset, people that can help with your physical well-being, mm -hmm. and people that just have knowledge um, that can help you filling in forms and everything. Um, it's it's you've got to be able to be able to find them when it's right for you. You want inf bite-sized information at the time that you want it, not just in office hours yeah. and NHS hours. And the NHS have been fantastic over the last oh, gosh, year. Oh, yes. But we've also had to rely on online therapists um, and other ways of helping ourselves mm. because they've been totally stretched. Mm. It's just... Um, and I think more and more um, alternative therapists are at, have actually come to the fore um, and developed their businesses and helping people remotely just because that's what people have needed and mm. it's been amazing to watch Absolutely. some of these businesses grow yeah there's been a huge amount of pivoting around that yes oh, pivoting i'm loving that word <laughs> it, yeah it seems to be the common word isn't it pivoting pivoting yes <laughs> resilience resilience mindset <laughs> yes exactly and and mental health well-being i mean that those are all words they're not just they're not just um, words. They are actually things mm. that really have helped people over the last year yeah. and actually given people have had the chance to actually focus on them. Yeah, and also I think it's... Uh, unfortunately, we've had to go through a pandemic for this to happen, but people are less fearful of actually saying those words. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're actually using it with more confidence. Yes. Um, but also I think there's still a lot of education that needs to be done around it to really truly understand what it is and how it impacts everybody differently yes yeah it's not one one thing hit, fits all it, no, it, it definitely, definitely doesn't everybody's individual and I, I think we need to actually take notice of ourselves and our own bodies and minds and find out what works for us individually mm. we can't just say everybody needs to do this tomorrow yeah. no we can't all get up and do exercises all at the same time None of our timetables work like work that. The same. No. And that's, you know, that's why, for example, in my business, I have a lot of um, different therapies and tools because I believe that every client I get is unique and individual. And what one tool might work for one client may not work for another. Definitely. And even if I try one tool with one client, it might, he or she might not respond to it in the way that I expected. So then I would have to use something else. So it's nice to have that tool bag. I always call it my little tool bag, or yes. my toolbox. Yes, yeah, your back belt. My back belt. Your utility there, yeah. belt, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Good uh, utility belt. <laughs> <laughs> we go. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And I, I think um, when you've got, when you know you've got a problem, it's nice to know that there's several solutions and it's not just just the one solution available. You've got to find one that works for you. Mm. And you've got to find somebody you enjoy working with that actually you connect with um, because they, there's lots of nutritionists there's lots of menopause mm. coaches um but you need to find the one that works for you yeah that that you you trust and that you work with and that you understand and they understand you yeah no i couldn't agree more it's all about rapport at the, yeah. right at the beginning um really understanding them and it's about listening it's not just about okay i'm the expert in this here you go here this is what you need to do but it's really understanding that client and you're right and they be, you bond together in a different way definitely i mean the best way to educate somebody is to actually find out what they want to know not just to tell them what you know yeah it's, it's to listen to what their needs are and and yeah. and gradually introduce them to to learning things mm. at the speed they want to and in the way they learn we all learn differently don't absolutely, we absolutely yes and you just said it listening that's uh, fundamentally the first thing that you know we need to do is listen and people want to be heard yes and valued yeah and that's important definitely 
So, yeah. Um, right. You know what? I'm just going to go through. You know, this is so fascinating. We could probably sit here and talk for hours. Yes, yes. Did you want um, to do a whole day? We, we can do a whole day, but unfortunately... They might got, cut us off midway, yes? They will cut us off midway. Yeah. Shame. <laughs> 12 o'clock, and if I keep going, they're still going to cut me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have control of the full studio yet. Okay, well, we're working on it. We're working on it. Right, so a couple of things that are coming up as a reminder, and we're going to go into more depth with this one. It's the Children's Hospice Awareness Week. And this is why Glynis is in today, because she's absolutely passionate about this, and she's going to be giving us a lot more insight to it. And that fundamentally is from the 22nd to the 28th of June, if I'm not mistaken. What else have we got? We've got Volunteers Week. Uh, which is an annual event that run by the National Council of Volunteers organisation, and they celebrate the contribution of over 20 million people who volunteer in the UK. You know, I, there are so many people that volunteer, and it's rewarding, isn't it? Amazingly so, yes. And yep. sometimes I don't think they get appreciated as much or put in the spotlight that, you know, these are the volunteers, so let's celebrate what they do. Definitely. And there's so many different charities out there that mm. you can support. So you find one that makes your heart sing or that um, you connect nice. with because it's either supported your family or you've you've had a connection with it. So you know somebody that's been, been um, involved in it before. And whatever your talents are, there is a way for you to volunteer with a charity. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter whether it's whether you're like me, I'm a little bit vocal and I do like to write things and that's really mm -hmm. how I support most charities mm -hmm. um, but I do also like to get my hands dirty so I have been seen digging holes um, to make water stations out in Kenya but it's whatever wow. your skills are yeah. you can find a way to utilize them so find what you love doing mm. and what you're passionate about find a charity that you're also passionate about and put the two things together mm. and spend some time raising awareness um, of a charity and actually donating time I mean that's the one thing most of us have had in the last year is yeah. time and not all of us some of us have been absolutely rushed off our feet mm. but for those people that have got time now's a good time to use that yeah. to, to volunteer for a, for a charity and actually uh, pass on your skills and your knowledge mm. to people that can benefit from it. But, you know, it also works, you know, I completely agree, it also works the other way. So if, you, you know, you are someone who's feeling a bit lost or you've lost your job, you know, for whatever you're going through, just by volunteering actually becomes really rewarding because it helps you to develop other skills that you yes. thought you may not have had that you then develop and you can use it when you go on to... Uh, finding a new job yeah yeah definitely and it keeps you kind of going into that deep hole of um anxiety or depression it keeps you alive if you're keeping yourself busy doing something that's productive and passionate to you yes i mean uh, not quite the same but but the same if that makes sense <laughs> i'm going to talk gibberish now for five minutes <laughs> tune in later and get some common sense out of we'll again. go to a break soon <laughs> <laughs> but my, my son galahad um finished his degree during lockdown mm. a degree in fine art he's colorblind that doesn't really help but Amazing, um, no. trying to find a job when you're colorblind and yeah. you've got a degree in fine art and no work experience was really difficult for mm. him um, and he had to help me at home for a, a fair few months um, but we when the shops reopened he actually started volunteering in uh, the Demelza hospice charity shop mm -hmm. in Canterbury and 
retail isn't what he wants to do. Working in the stock room isn't what he wants to do. Mm. But what he's really enjoyed is meeting the other people that work there and listening to their stories. And he's gained some skills and yeah. he's gained some some um, insights into other people's lives. And that's valuable. I mean, he's very empathic with the people that he meets anyway. Yeah. Um, and so he's really connected well with the with the other team members in that store. But it's been good for him. It's given him something to do once a week mm. um, and introduced him to new people, given him some skills that he probably doesn't realise he's he's adapted. Or um, had, even. Or had. And, and for me, it's helped with his well-being. He's actually, he's got a purpose on a Thursday. Yeah. Which, which is good. And I think that's that's been useful for him. And it's also given him time to work out what he does like doing and what he doesn't like doing. And I think mm. one thing with volunteering is you can actually try things that you wouldn't have the opportunity to try otherwise. And sometimes that actually leads you down a path that actually makes you realise that this is what I want to do. I know Mm. I'm only volunteering, but I could actually go and do this as a job in the future. Because there's different angles to it. Yeah, exactly. And it's a wonderful opportunity to find out about a charity and find out about um, a a particular role within a charity. And some people do Mm. find that that's, that's actually the way they want to go with the rest of their career path or their life path. Yeah. Which is wonderful. And for young people, a lot of young people may go into uh, university, do a degree and come out, but that's not what they want to do. No. Or initially it was, and then they suddenly try something, maybe volunteering, whatever it might be, and thought, actually, this is what I want to do. I didn't want to do that degree, but it's not wrong. But then again, it's as society and the community, we need to support those young people to say, that's okay, you've done that. It's not been a waste of time as well, because that can be quite detrimental to their their mindset too yes. but it's great that your son has found this avenue and a passion around something else that he would like to do yes amazing yeah. and it's so easy for all of us to do a degree or do a course in something and assume that's it for the yeah. rest of our lives and we go off and find a job in that and work in that for mm. 40 50 years and then we retire and just go actually re- what i really wanted to do was was something totally different i wanted to be a singer yeah. on a cruise ship or something <laughs> yeah. but, uh, well that's because people don't challenge their belief systems no, um, and they're kind of ingrained with what they've been told, or the environment, or the the way they've yeah they've grown up, the culture. Yes, um, but yeah. yeah. Well, that's amazing with your son. So yeah, good luck with that. And you know, to do an art, fine arts degree, being colourblind. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to have to chat with you about that later. <laughs> That's amazing. You uh, don't take the easy path in our family ever. No. Why take the easy path? That's exactly. boring. No, exactly, we like the pretty route. Exactly. Nothing's smooth. Everything has a bit of a bump in it way. You learn more that way. You do. Yeah, it's about growth. Uh, okay, so what have we got? I'm just keep conscious I need to keep an eye on the time. Um, okay, so Father's Day on the 20th. So that's coming up. So, yes, what are you going to be doing that's really special for your father out there? Or, you know, memory of your father? Or, you know, for any special man in your life, I think, you know, just uh, looking at that but also straight after that uh, they have international father's mental health day and it's held on the following day after father's day and this campaign looks to highlight key aspects of father's mental health so with particular attention to the uh, paternal postpartum depression and that's really big that's a massive topic as well Yes, and men are so rarely looked after as well as the women. I think they don't always vocalise as no. easily as women when they're having a problem. No. Um, women sit and chat. Men have to do something. 
they, they tend to have to conquer a mountain or build a wall or something. Yeah, or suddenly take uh, up uh, riding a motorbike. Yes, yes, something. yes. <laughs> I have a new brand new sports car, which probably the wife or the girlfriend might go, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, that's a huge topic um, that... You know, um, I worked a little bit in that area and I did some workshops for the London Fire Brigade around that um, for those who have suffered around um, postpartum depression, post, you know, obviously they don't have the hormones bouncing around, but they still feel. Yes. Bless them. We have Nutritional Foundation Healthy Eating Week from the 14th to the 18th. Which is great. It should be healthy eating year this year, shouldn't it? It should be. After all the rubbish we had during lockdown. Yeah. Well, some people actually went really healthy. They did. Didn't they? They did. They I admire did. them. Uh, and carrying on with men's, it's Men's Health uh, Week as well. So they look at the health issues for men and encourage them to talk and seek advice with health-related problems along the way. And that's between the 14th and the 20th. And then again, between the 14th and the 20th is cervical screening awareness. So, you know, there's over 3,000... 200 women that are diagnosed with uh, cervical cancer. It's, yeah. So it's one of those things UK. women tend to put going off to have a smear test so low down their list, don't they? Because it's looking after themselves. They're so busy being maternal and looking after everybody else. Yeah, they so women don't look health. after their health and men don't look after their mental health. Yeah. Well, so, yes, we all need a good talking to. We do. And, you know, we've got amazing people out there you know, f- and friends such as yourself that people come to. We've got the professionals like myself and many others that are there. So it's about, you know, do reach out to people that you can talk to. Right, I think we're going to go into a break. What do you think? Ooh, Stretch exciting. our feet, yes. top up our water glasses and have a little bit of a boogie. So I'm going to put the fire inside. It's Bob Seeger and the Silver Bullet Band. Here we go. Dance real close And for one brief instant They pretend they're safe and 
go The darkness scatters as the lights flash on They all want another just a little too long And they move apart and then move on On to the street, on to the next Safe in the knowledge that they try Faking the smile, hiding the pain Never satisfied The fire inside The fire inside And you listen to him leave like you knew he would Hear his car pull away in the street Then you move to the door and you lock it When he's gone for good Then you walk to the window and stare at the moon Riding high and lonesome through a starlit sky to you how it all slips away youth and beauty are gone one day no matter what you dream or feel or say it ends in dust and disarray like wind on the plains sand through the glass waves rolling in with the tide dreams die hard and we watch them erode but we cannot be denied the fire inside Welcome to Mindset Matters, exploring mental health and well-being horizons 
with CNAT Neuroni. This show is dedicated to offering insight, support and tips covering a range of topics related to addressing your mental health and well-being. Each week, guest experts and brave inspirational people share their personal journey and experiences about their recovery, bringing awareness and change to the importance of breaking through this long-standing negative stigma. Well, 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 what a great tune. So we are back and... Yeah, that got me really kind of moving and grooving. Right, we're going to jump right back into what uh, my what my guest here, Glynis, is going to be talking to us about. So she's going to be talking about um, her journey and her daughter and, of course, the children's hospice. Over to you. Thank you so much. Um, where do I start? Perhaps I should start 18 years ago. I was quite happy working as a marketing manager for a gardening company. And um, I was pregnant and expecting our second child, mm. which was fabulous. And like most people, I was expecting to have a healthy, happy baby. And sadly, that's not quite what happened. Mm. Uh, we had an accident during labour and it starved her of oxygen. And I found myself waking up from an emergency caesarean, being told that they didn't think my baby would last long enough for me to meet them. They hadn't, didn't even tell me whether I'd had a girl or a boy at the time. Mm. Um, and what happened, she'd been starved of oxygen and was fighting for her life. We weren't expecting her to survive the night. And here we are, I think I said earlier, 18 mm. years, nine months and one day later. Wow. And she's still very much keeping me on my toes. <laughs> <laughs> a real fighter. Yes, her name's Elkie. We call her Elkie B. She Aww. is an absolute fighter and uh, such an inspiration. Just like her mum. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but she, yes, she has fought every day. I mean, that first week of her life, uh, we had four or five times that they didn't think she was going to make it. Mm. And we, as a family, just kept singing to her uh, we're renowned for singing to each other um, most of us tuneful but put us all together it's interesting harmonies I think <laughs> is the only way to describe <laughs> it um, but we've we've tried to find the the best in every day that we've had hmm. when you're told that somebody isn't going to make it and uh, no matter how old or young they are it affects the whole family and you actually start focusing on what's really important to you. Mm. And you need to get your mind in the right place to actually cope with that. Um, mm. And you've got to actually find the positives in every single day that's that's happening for, yeah. in our case, our daughter Elke. And you've got to actually fight each battle as it appears. But we've always planned ahead as well. We mm -hmm. were told she'd never leave hospital She'd never make it to nursery. She'd never have Christmas. She wouldn't have a birthday. Wow. She'd never be old enough to go. To, oh, she'd never actually make it to nursery, to school. And she definitely, would, definitely wouldn't make it to adulthood. Um, and practically everything they've told us been has been wrong. Yeah, it's been the opposite. <laughs> yeah. And here she is. She's an absolute fighter. Um, she is profoundly disabled. So if I describe she's uh, visually impaired... She has seizures. Um, she's totally wheelchair bound. One leg's longer than the other. She's got scoliosis of the spine that actually crushes mm -hmm. her left lung and her heart. Um, she's 
got um, edema of the legs, so the legs have swollen up where she's not getting circulation into the legs mm -hmm. because she doesn't do any standing. Mm -hmm. The seizures um, are pretty much controlled. I think she has something like 19 drugs a day over five or six different times. Mm -hmm. She's fed via a tube straight into her stomach. Visually impaired, perfect hearing, better than the dog. She knows if somebody uh, mm. pulls up on the drive before the dog does. <laughs> That's um, always a good sign. It is a good sign. But she has got the most amazing giggle and a smile that totally lights up the room. Mm. And I've, I've, I've been her advocate, her administrator, her nurse, her physiotherapist, her chef, her taxi driver, her everything. Um, along with the support from my husband and our son mm. and, and our wider family for the last 18 and a half years. Sorry, 18 years, nine months and one day. day. And counting still and loving every minute of it. Uh, but being everything for a profoundly disabled child that's medically vulnerable is exhausting. It's relentless. Mm. There's something to do and something to think about all the time. I mean, the paperwork in my house is ridiculous. Yeah. And I'm about as good with my paperwork as I am with my emails, <laughs> um, which is improving slightly, <laughs> slowly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just there's always something that needs to be doing for her as yeah. fast as I deal with one one um, specialist or one letter, you another another two else. have come in. Yeah. So it's it's um, I do actually regard my daughter as my full time job. Yeah. And Absolutely. one of the things that's really important when you've got somebody medically vulnerable in your family is to actually make sure that you still have time to be a family. Yeah. Very important. And I was just going to ask you, how do you. Um, um, what we're going to do is um, I just wanted to read something um, I'm going to take a time I've read an article in the newspaper to um, talk about sort of um, it was about men's eating disorder and I, you know what I, I want, I'd love, I've got worms in my mouth as my friend Sarah says um, so you know, we was talking about experts. Uh, the expert also claims that men who do have conditions such as anorexia and bulimia are underrated and underdiagnosed. And, you know, this is something that I want to touch base with possibly uh, next week. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go into a quick break because I've got a bit of a technical issue. So I'm going to go into a bit of a quick break here. I'll be with you in just a second.
Okay, here I am back again. I've sorted out that issue that I had. Okay, so we're going to go back to uh, Glynis, who was telling us about the challenges around her, her daughter. And um, the most important thing was to have time for family. in the first two years of Elkie's life was that I didn't have time for anybody. I didn't have time for anybody except Elkie. Um, running around in the first two years of her life, we had more than 300 days that were spent at hospital. So that's half of our life at hospital. Um, I think I said to you earlier, mm. the hospital with Elkie, my friends did try and get me to go out um, in the evening and have some time with them and some relaxing time. But invariably, whenever we planned to go out, Elkie needed to go to hospital. And for probably the first two mm. years that we were going to hospital, they'd only ever seen me with a full face of going out makeup. Um, I hadn't actually just turned up barefaced until we had an appointment, probably um, at the Easter holidays uh, when she ended up staying in hospital. But when she first left hospital at 10 weeks old, I was asked if we'd like the love, care and support of Demelza House Children's Hospice. Mm. And at that time... We were really stressed. We'd finally got to the point when they felt she was more or less well enough to go home or there wasn't, mm. she was stable, there wasn't anything else they could do. And they were sending us home. So to be asked if I'd like the support of a children's hospice totally threw me yeah. because they were telling me we could go home, which I felt meant that she was well enough to go home. But they were also asking me if I wanted the support of a hospice, which I believed meant they thought she was dying. Mm. And I just said no no, I don't want anything to do with the hospice. And yeah. in my head, I'm thinking, why are they offering me hospice care now yeah. when she's going home? I suppose I hadn't quite understood the situation. I mean, they were sending us home because there was nothing else medically they could do to support her. And the right. idea was we went home to support her at home for as long as we had her. And perhaps that really should have been the time that I took their advice and reached out to Demelza for love, support and care. Mm. But I didn't hear that sentence. I only heard the last word in the sentence, the hospice, yeah. the last CH word that everybody assumes means end of life End care. of life, yeah. So when we'd been, we'd got to these two years and we'd spent Easter holidays in the ward at Maidstone Hospital looking after Elkie. She'd had pneumonia Um and we left again to go home and somebody and I said, look, I'm absolutely exhausted. We've had like four or five days in hospital. Is this really what my life is mm. now? Is my life just as Elkie's carer? I, I love her and I love caring for her, but there must be something else in it. Yeah, there must more. be a way. There must be something else for me and my family. And they said, well, you can always access Demelza. And I said, well, what does that mean? Mm. You can have the love, support and care of Demelza Children's Hospice. Mm. And it was only then that I heard the beginning of the sentence, the love, yeah. support and care side of things. I was totally unaware of that beforehand. I said, so what does that look like? And they said, well, why don't you have a chat with them, go and have a look around the hospice and find out what they offer? Because what they're actually going to do mm. is support the whole family, the mum, the dad, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents. We are all supported by the children's hospice. I hadn't heard that the first time it was mentioned to me. I needed to mm. wait until they'd said it the second time um, and yeah. could actually hear the whole sentence. And so we are now what I call um, part of Demelza's family. There's 750 families supported by Demelza Children's Hospice across Amazing. East Sussex, right. Kent and South East London. Mm -hmm. And we all think of each other as family because we're all in the same 
vote. We've all got children with a life-limiting condition mm. that may not make it to adulthood um, because they're so medically vulnerable. And Demelza supports all of us. The actual logo, most people have heard of Demelza. They've mm. seen the logo, the red and white clown. But very few people have actually seen a photograph of the hospice and even less have actually been inside. Mm. And until you actually meet a family that's supported by Demelza, you've got no idea what it's what really it is, about. Yeah. They really do provide love, care and support. When you actually go inside the children's hospice, it's generally full of somebody laughing. No. Whether it's the staff laughing with the children and playing. Mm. It's such a beautiful setting. Even when a child is requiring end-of-life care, they still want fun. They still want to be with people they love. They still want to be smiling and laughing. They of don't course, want yeah. to just be laying there waiting to die. Mm. And I think most people's perception is that's what the hospice is. Yeah, it's about children waiting to die. And it's not. It's about having as much flipping fun as we can yeah, on the way there. It's a bigger picture, much yeah. more deeper than that. Yeah, I mean, they, they say um, it's it's about having a full life. And I think when you've only got a limited amount of time, you do pack so much mm. more in. I think our family have been very privileged to know that Elkie's not going to be with us forever. And on that basis, we've made sure we've done things we would never have dreamt of doing before. Uh, we've gone. Yeah. To, we've found a way to get a wheelchair down to the Olympics. We went down to watch the sailing That's in right. the Olympics. Yeah, we camped. Uh, we had an eight-man tent. Um, to camp in, which is brilliant, because for us that meant we could stand up and yeah. we could hoist her or lift her in the tent. Uh, what what they don't tell you is that when you get an eight man tent, you actually need eight men to put it up. <laughs> <laughs> and how many were you? Just the four of us. Just and Elkie was in the wheelchair, so that didn't help. Well, do you know what? That just goes to show that you don't need eight men. You've got determination. You've got the resilience. You've when you want something to happen. Yes, and it was raining, so we needed something to stay in overnight that was dry. But, um, I mean, again, having a daughter in a wheelchair, we call it playing the Elkie card, you can get away <laughs> with murder. You can actually get yourself in some places that you wouldn't normally if you didn't have a wheelchair. We've, we've been into Harrods via the back route. We've been into the Ritz via the, via the back route and seen all the cars out there and seen been told whose car belongs to who and everything like that. Um, <laughs> at the Olympics as well, the wonderful thing was we... Not only did we go to the main Olympics, we also went to the Paralympics. Oh, fantastic. Um, and obviously, because Elkie was in a wheelchair, we were sitting in the, in the wheelchair seats yeah. with most of the other athletes. Amazing. Which was amazing. Oh, and, yeah. um, and things like that. We wouldn't have even thought of, t of applying for Olympic tickets if we hadn't been talking to Demelza and talking mm. about things we'd really love to do. And, and having the Olympics in 2012 in London, mm. just why wouldn't we take Elkie to go and see them? It's a once-in-a-lifetime yeah. experience for all of us. Um, and one of the ways that I deal with Elkie and our life is making sure we've always got something to look forward to and yeah. that we're always doing something. We've always got goals as a family, things we'd want Great. to do as a family, mm. things we want Elkie to do. Um, so Demelza has helped us find a way to be a family again yeah. and that you know i was going to ask you you know how is it that you maintain your own mental well-being through all this because you have to take time out to look after yourself so that you can look after elkie and be a lot stronger for her yes i mean i I mean, one of the things I love doing for my own mental health is helping other people, but it's normally with problems that I think I've got myself. <laughs> <if that makes sense. laughs> 
<laughs> but sometimes that brings clarity to your problems. It, it, well, it does. Again, when somebody articulates a problem and, and I often think, well, actually, I've got that problem as mm. well. I've got a whole list of problems I'm ignoring, obviously. Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> but I think... When I'm actually helping somebody else, I can also see how to better help myself. Mm. Um, I think back in lockdown, the beginning of lockdown, uh, I realised we went into lock, we went into shielding with Elkie on the 9th of March, and most people didn't go until about a fortnight, three weeks yeah, later. Yeah, towards the end. Um, and I realised that we didn't have food, we didn't have um, delivery slots, we didn't have PPE, we didn't have, well, we didn't have anything really. We were just sort mm. of stuck indoors. But I realised I had Zoom. And yeah. so what I did was set up a Zoom chat. Uh, we called it Tea at Two. Um, probably from about the 14th, 15th of March, okay. we'd have Tea at Two with the Demelza families that were also struggling to find Fantastic. delivery yeah. slots or, or a supermarket that would deliver. And we all compared notes. I mean, there's, there's value in no, loads of people all looking for the same thing mm. because you can all find a way through yeah. it. So we, we looked for supermarkets together. Demelza actually provided us with letters to actually um, send out to the GPs and to the supermarkets to tell people we were shielding our vulnerable children because they weren't on the list in the first place. Really? We, no, it was oh. only adults over 18s initially wow. that were given priority delivery slots and then we were mm. all sitting at home okay. uh, living on ufos you know i said about um earlier about yeah. uh, food choices <laughs> yes. so i have a f i have a freezer full of unidentified frozen objects <laughs> i love that <laughs> so, it's just I, I remember making a risotto and well I'd, I'd made all i'd made the rice and all the peppers and everything in it and i just and i defrosted what i thought was a chicken breast to go in it that i was going to shred and put on top thought. turned out it was a pear <laughs> i'm yeah okay i'm not even gonna go there and ask <laughs> the confusion it wasn't quite the same <laughs> Well, that's a story to go on for a while. Yes, sorry about that. <laughs> just totally distracted you from what I was talking about. That's all right. Um, yeah. But it's entertaining, you know. And these are the things that happen, though, isn't it? It's part of your life. Yes, yes. It's, it, yeah. It, but it just goes to was show... Was it delicious, though? It was delicious, but it just goes to show if you're going to save yourself meals and put them in the freezer for another day, at least label them so you don't get disappointed yes. or surprised. Let's go with surprised. surprised yes. <laughs> yeah, my mother's very good at labelling things in the fridge. Good. So I've learned that uh, skill from her. Yes, well, it just... You, you convince yourself you're going to know what it is yeah. when you... Well, as long as you it. weren't giving meat to a vegetarian. No. Now, that would have been something. Yes. No, we the haven't actually around. got any vegetarians in our house currently. Okay. So that's so right. We've got lots of vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've got, we haven't got long before we have to end the show. But um, just talking a little bit more about, you know, the children's hospice, uh, you know, you've got the support. So what kind of tips have you got for families out there get, that are going through... Um, Similar situations that are hesitant to reach out, finding it difficult. I mean, what's what would you say to them? Reach out for help. I mean, there is help out there. None of us can do any of this on our own. Mm. We only get through this having a positive mindset, um, but also knowing to ask for help. I am rubbish at asking for help, mm. but I've had to learn to ask for help and a lot because... When you're going through something you've never been through before, most of the people you know haven't been through it either. Mm. So you need to actually go to the experts for support. And a children's hospice is full of people that are used to 
uh, supporting families with a child with a life-limiting condition and helping support the family to find access to all sorts of uh, benefits mm -hmm. and other support networks and charities to help them. So Demelza has been such a shining light for me, mm -hmm. not only in the help they've given, but they've also given me a purpose as well. So raising awareness about what a children's hospice yeah. does is my role as a volunteer ambassador. Um, and sharing our stories yeah. of family is important because I genuinely believe that everybody I speak to in the next everybody I speak to will in the next five years meet a family that needs the support from a children's hospice. Yeah. But if they're only concentrating on the word hospice, they're going to turn down that really valued support, that lifeline of support that they need, mm. like I did. And I don't want anybody to be in that position. I was absolutely pushed to the limits, ragged, not knowing my ass from my elbow. Sorry, I probably wasn't. <laughs> supposed to say that um, <laughs> <laughs> so sorry passion it's the passion and it's the importance but it's whenever you need help you need to go to an expert or somebody yeah. that's already gone through that for that help and that's what um Demelza is has been for me and mm. that's what i am i hope for other people is an inspiration or a reminder that if you need help you there it is out there Mm. Uh, I've always said to people, if you need help, ask me and I can point you in the right direction. Yeah. I like being that signpost. Yeah. Um, but there is help out there. We've got um, Children's Hospice Week, so there'll be a lot of awareness things Absolutely, going on next yeah. week. I think next Friday we're all wearing shorts. We're, it's our okay. flagship event and it's called Shorts for Short Lives. Okay. And it's raising awareness. It's a good excuse to get your knees out, uh, wear some zany <laughs> shorts, raise money for Children's Hospice Week um, for Demelza in particular. Uh -huh. um, and, and yes, it's just a fabulous thing to do. We, one of my networking groups this week, we actually yeah. all got our knees out, which was excellent lovely which was, yes so it, it's 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 yeah. a, a worthwhile way to find out all about mm. Demelza um and I've actually almost I think when we spoke I'd nearly finished I still haven't quite finished writing a book about what it's like being a family yes supported I remember you by telling me about this. Hospice. Mm. Um, and then there's another book about how Elkie and I have survived the last 18 and a half years together but uh, yeah there's information so, out there so just go find go for it, it. Yeah. and with your book and your website when is that all going to be launched yes that's a fabulous question <laughs> <laughs> have you put a date on i'm not going to coach you but have you put a date on it <laughs> so i think the first week of july is uh, when you should find be able to find my website super yes so a couple but of weeks away it's not long at all but and the okay. and the book and there'll be somewhere there that people can sign up to get information about the book great Amazing. Oh, my God. It's got so many things in the pipeline. Do you know what? It's been an absolute pleasure having you here and more importantly, sharing, you know, your your story, your journey with your daughter Elkie um, and your son uh, and bringing that awareness because it's things like this that we have to spread to out to the wider audience so people know that there's all this support available. But like you said... You have to ask. And if you don't ask, you're not going to get, really. And there's nothing wrong with asking for help. As no, you said, you, you would never ask for help. And look at you now. Yes, yeah. I mean, I feel help and I feel like I'm helping people. If you don't know where something is, f find somebody that does. Mm. It's definitely out there. Amazing. Any last words? Um, get those shorts out. <laughs> get those shorts out. Yes, next week is it? Next week. Yes. Next week, Friday. Did you yes, say next Friday? The next 25th Friday, of June, twenty fifth. And don't forget the hospice awareness is from the twenty second to the twenty eighth of June. 
Right, well, it's come to that ending where we are going to sadly say goodbye. I don't want to go. Can I come back? You can come back. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll have you in any time. Do you know what? It's been nice being able to have people back in the studio. It I has. don't have to talk to myself and listen to my own voice. No, it's, it's just been wonderful to see you and to come yeah. in today. And I've loved sharing some of my story. As you can imagine, there's a lot more stuck up in my head. Yes. That I need to, I do, need to do another brain dump. <laughs> another brain dump is on the way. And then you, we'll get you back in the studio. No, that'd be lovely. I really appreciate you inviting me today. And I hope everybody's learnt something and enjoyed your show, because yeah. I certainly have. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Right. So thank you for your tweets and listening in today. So uh, remember, this will be available on my download um, podcast channel at uh, anchor.fm forward slash zenat hyphen narani msm. Now, as you know, this sh- um, if you're interested in sponsoring the show, then please email me at mindsethorizons at gmail.com. And also, if you, you're an expert out there or someone who wants to share your journey, just like Glennis has today, then do get in touch with me on the same email and we'll get you into the show as soon as possible. It's exciting. I mean, I've got guests booked up until February. Fantastic. But I'm going to try and squeeze in maybe two people at a time because it's just amazing listening to people's stories. I love what I do here. It's fabulous. And the dynamics of the three of you in the room. Oh, incredible. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can extend my show time. Not sure about that. Uh, (laughs) taking over the world (laughs) I'm going to take over the world yes Uh, right so tune in next week uh, same time same place and we've got Kerry Madwick who will be joining me and she'll be talking about how she helps her clients to release past stress trauma limiting beliefs that are holding them back um, by helping them taking control of their health and happiness so she'll be telling me all about that. And it's great because we have a lot in common. We, you know, I resonate with her and we do very, very similar things together. So, yes, that, so do, do tune in for that. And um, as you know, I run my clubhouse um, every Monday at 7 p.m. called Behind the Looking Glass. And we cover different topics uh, around mental health, well-being, nutrition, eating disorders, So do tap into there. And if you're really special and you send me a message and you're kind and gentle with me, I'll give you an invite into Clubhouse. So I would um, also I'm looking for experts to come on stage in my Clubhouse platform to share their expertise as well. Okay, continue to share my um, Mindset Matters Talk radio with your community and friends leaving you with my mission. I support you to empower your mind to live the life that you desire by finding clarity and vision through the darkest of times so that you can shine your light. Keep safe, keep well, drive safe in the rain. And thank you once again, Glynis, for being here. Thank you. The Mindset Matters Show, exploring mental health and well-being horizons with CNET Numani on Channel 2 Radio.